and welcome to the Tales from Wales podcast. Thank you very much for choosing to listen to the very first episode of the show. We really appreciate it. Um, we've got a fantastic episode coming up where we catch up with drummer Ryan Richards from Funeral for a Friend. Uh, if you enjoy the show afterwards, just please subscribe, uh, share it with your friends, invite your friends to like it, leave us a nice comment or give us a nice review. And don't forget to let us know any suggestions you've got for future guests you'd like us to invite onto the podcast but for now just sit back relax and enjoy episode one of the tales from Will podcast ryan richards drummer from funeral for a friend Oh, hello, so we're here with uh, Ryan Richards, um, I always say it's at the top of the show, Ryan, me and Stefan know exactly who you are, but like, introduce yourself to anyone listening. Um, yes, so yes, my name is Ryan Richards, I played drums and did a bit of shouting in the Welsh hard rock band Funeral for a Friend, and um, yeah, been in, did that until about 2012 and been uh, running a management company since, so that's me, hello. Like a funeral for a friend, uh, they formally sort of parted into carried on two years after you you, you left the band, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit longer. I left I left at the end of two thousand eleven, beginning of two thousand twelve, and they went on till about uh, two thousand sixteen, and um, yeah, did the last few shows then, which was good. I, I got involved in that and did a little cameo, you know. Um, but yeah, that was. I guess that we thought that was the end of it then, but um, but it's not, is it? You've 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 reformed recently for um, quite a sort of a special reason. If you could sort of elaborate on that for us a bit, yeah. Well, that was it. Uh, it was it was a few months back, and a, a friend of ours named Stuart, um, Big Stu, he was um, well, basically he was one. Of, he was always you know what we consider our, our biggest fan, and you know said it like literally and figuratively because he's about was well, six foot seven something like that. <laughs> And uh, you know, yeah, you'd always you'd always look out in the crowd and uh, there we are, there's Stu, but they're popping Spoiling in. Spoiling somebody else's show by being up them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, popping above everyone and um, and yeah, he's uh, well, I mean, you know, he basically got diagnosed with with terminal Ill- illness a few months ago, and um, you know, he's been in a pretty pretty desperate state. So we were like, so we had a chat, me and the boys, and we were like, oh, you know, what can we do? And originally, was, you know, oh, you know, what can we perhaps auction off or yeah. or something like that? You know, some old goodies. I was like, oh, you know, why don't we try? Best thing we could do, really, in terms of raising money for him, and you know, mainly, you know, his, his three kids. He's got three three young sons. So we we're like, you know, what can we do for them? And um, and the idea was to take the yeah, stress off, the, take the pressure off the family. Like, yeah, because I mean, you know, what the boys are going through, what his family are going through, what he's yeah. going through. You know, it's you know, when you get, you know, so when you get given that diagnosis of terminal illness, you're like, you know, how, how am I? How are my boys going to be? You yeah, know, yeah. and uh, we were like, yeah, the best thing we can do and, and raise the most money would to be put on a show or two. Um, so, yeah, so that's what we're doing in October. Didn't fancy doing the Cardiff Half Marathon? <laughs> no, no, I think I, I think I, I think I were an half behind the kit is uh, is work out enough for that. Well, <laughs> yeah. Static. Well, um, so it's, it's three shows, um, two in Cardiff and one in London. Was there any particular reason why you picked those sort of those sort of cities to, to take the shows over to? Uh, yeah, I mean... Obviously, obviously, Cardiff. We're we're all from South Wales in, in the band, so that was uh, you know that that's always been our home and something we've we've always been very proud of. Um, 
So there was that. Uh, I mean, we did look at, look at doing something in, in, in Nottingham, which is where, where Stuart's from okay. and his family. But uh, because it was, it, I mean, it's, it, it seems like there's a lot of time between the time we announced and the shows. But in terms of you know setting up uh, setting up gigs, uh, it it usually takes a lot longer to be able, you know have to hire the venue and this that and the other. So so there was no avail- availability up in Nottingham. So so Cardiff was one. I mean, we originally put the one show on sale. And that sold out really quick, and then we moved that. That up was the to, Globe, though, wasn't that it? That was the Globe. Yeah, and that so was down to availability. I'm assuming is it because obviously short notice and big bands are booking in eighteen months, two years in advance. That's right. Yeah. Well, that was it. I mean, we we looked at the Globe. It was like, right, we'll do the Globe because uh, we weren't sure how many people would want to come or whatever because uh, we haven't been doing it for a few years, and that sold out in seconds. So we said to uh, we said to Johnny, who was um, well, he's a promoter. He's also, you know, a good mate of ours, and he was the first ever drummer in the band as well, okay. way back in the day. And he uh, he works for SGM Concerts, and he was like, "Oh well, we can move it up to a plus in the mm. uni, which is, you know, it's, it's about a thousand more in there." Yeah, it's got to be double three times size. Yeah, well, well, Globe is about three hundred and fifty, and a plus is about twelve hundred. So we're like, yeah, do that and put that up. So we did that, and then that sold out in seconds. And so we're like, Christ, it's like, you know, we got anywhere else we can go? I was like, well, there's no one else we can go available. But we can do a plas again the night before, so we've done that. And so we're doing the Sunday, Monday, and a plas. And then London was one of those things where, um, you know, it's, it's just quite central and a, yeah, a lot of you can get too quickly after the two Cardiff gigs without too much fuss. And yeah, yeah, and you know, a lot of a lot of our our friends and sort of um, you know people we've worked with in the industry down, down the years, who we'd also you know like to have at the shows. Yeah. We wanted to be a sort of. Uh, Gathering really, so we've done a couple of live recordings in London, haven't we? Over the years, at the Hammer, the Hammersmith live recording, we did. Yeah, we did this thing final hours uh, at Hammersmith, um, which was yeah, that was fun. We we liked doing things a little bit off the cuff. It was literally we played the show, and it was being recorded as we were playing, and then as you walked out, the CD was being printed off there, and then oh, ready. Nice feature, yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, I think it was I think it was a thing where everyone was doing live albums then, but. They were recording them, and they were sort of right taking all the files back to the studio and fixing yeah. them up and and recording over them. And, you know, making like an, a studio album. On yeah, those, like. which defeats the object really, and is cheating a little bit, I think. You know, and uh, you know, water tuning this, and and we were like, well, you know, this is, you know, perhaps we will make a couple of mistakes or whatever doing the show, but but this is us, you know, water and all as close to the live show as it as it can be. Like I'm sure some people listening, they were saying, "Man, man, what's a CD?" You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, that was it. They, they sort of people, you know, you could you could buy them at the desk before the show or whatever, and then on your way out the door, take your ticket to this chap who was printing them off on some big machine. That's nuts. And that was that. Yeah, so it was good. It was it was good. Well, it's nice to see somebody selling CDs outside of venue after a gig that are actually uh, legitimate and, and from the band rather than knockoffs. And my favorite part about going to a gig years ago was. How many cheap T-shirts can I get from? So only sixteen, yeah. seventeen, and they're like, right, yeah. I'm not gonna buy an official one for twenty quid. I'm gonna buy three cheap ones outside. You know, if you look outside for the sort of uh, knockoff, some, some of them are, are really nice and all. Like, if you look out the windows, and be like, oh, I'm bloody t- oh, ooh, that's a nice one. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, to be honest, it, it's it's not a lot you can really do about it unless you want to, you know, really get into you know hiring loads of security and getting police yeah. involved. And yeah. I, I, I found in the past that. I, I, and we and we would do this at shows. We'd go out and have a chat, and you know, like, oh, so like, you know, can we have a few of these? You know, and they'd be like, yeah. oh, you know, and and we just say, oh, you know, just 
don't don't sell anything and you know until everyone comes out. Don't try and sell them on the way in. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Oh, right, cool, cool. it's, it's, it's fair enough. Like yeah, but um, I think touts with the music industry and live music and ticket sales and things is a a bit of a problem to a certain extent. Is there anything you've you've done as a band to try and counteract that? Like with this with this recent show as well, perhaps or yeah, yeah. Well, with these shows, I mean. You know, you'd like to think that people wouldn't be trying to profit off uh, such a situation yeah, in the first yeah, place. Yeah, but, definitely. But sadly, there are some, you know, people out there. People there bastards. are, yeah, bastards. That's a good word for them. Um, but what what we've done, and and we let people know this before the tickets went on sale, is um, you know to gain entry, the the the, the card, you know, you'd have to present the card or the ID of the person who bought the tickets. Um, so you know, whoever bought the tickets has to be there at the time to sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, get into the show. So. So that's good, and and I mean, even even though we had that, there was one or two. There wasn't many. Mind touts picking up tickets um, when we first put them on sale, but uh, but then our promoter then got in touch with um, uh, with like Via Gogo then after yeah. and explained, oh look, you know these tickets are, don't you? You know it's a charity show for to block the chap with a terminal well, like, illness, like, yeah. and they were like, oh God's, you know, so we we won't put anything on on our that's platform. Good, yeah, yeah. So that's that's good. Yeah, it, was, it saves them from ripping people off as well. That's right. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, they certainly the, do. Yeah. The amount of, the, of money they put on top of the tickets as well is just obscene. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. I mean, I've had to do it once or twice myself. I mean, I remember when uh, when Wales were in the Euros and a couple, couple of the rounds, I missed out on you know legitimate tickets. One so I had to pay through, I had to get through via Google, and it's like, Christ, the old credit card took a battery in our month. I know. Yeah. But, uh, but then I suppose Wales in the Euros. You, you might go the rest of your life without seeing that again. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I'd say it again twice make. over, be yeah. fair. Yeah. So what, what games did you go to see out in France? Um, yeah, so it's, it's funny. We all went out to the... Um, I was working at a company called Raw Power Management. Um, I was there for quite a long time. And um, and we had some bands play in this festival in France called Hellfest, uh, which is a massive uh, big rock and metal festival in France. And, and that fell the day after the England-Wales game. So we all got uh, like a tour bus... Which usually, you know, bands going or whatever, and we rented one of them to go to go out to France in. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, so it was fifteen Englishmen and, and me. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. So we went over then, and uh, I'm assuming we didn't go to the same games then. Uh, we went to that game. Um, so then, and I went back then. I went over to. So we went to the festival. I went home, and then we went. I, w- I was out there for a little while, um, but then I went back home then, and I came out back for the. Well, I dro- drove there and back in the same day to the. Um, to the Belgium game. Oh, I was a corker, was, wasn't oh, it? Oh, brilliant, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I watched that, I don't know, Fishcar, I went down to Jala's Wind, down to Fishcar, yeah, yeah. and I watched it in there. What's the, is it Fishcar Bay Fishcar Hotel? Bay Hotel. Like the Overlook from the Shining, you know, proper sort of old. Are the hotels hotel. not available? And it's just yeah. bus tours of 80-year-olds going in, uh, have the same food at the same time, you know, but me and my wife watched it there, then I was, it was a, it was a cracking game. Oh, it's, it's, so I thought that was it, I thought that, they've done well, this is it, now we're going to go further. And then, was it 3-1? Three, three yeah, well, it, it yeah. was. Well, that was a funny thing. That was one of the days when I sort of bought a secondary ticket. And I I think I paid about, I think I paid about £400 for a ticket. And I was like, oh, Christ, I shouldn't be doing this, but, I, but I'm going to. And I went out there then, and I and I'd, uh, and I'd put a bet on on, on bet 365. I had like a, one of those sort of £50 in play free bet things. And I put Wales 2-1. Um, to win <laughs> and I was like and I was there and, I was there, and we and we went to one up and it was late in the game I was like I was like shall I cash out by and I looked down there 450 pound I was like right cash out and literally two two or three seconds after I cashed out the third goal went in it was like oh that's good the emotions I was just like I've just paid for my ticket we've gone three one up 
we were into the semis. I was like, ah, you got fifty pounds to spare as well. Yeah, so that's three, three, three or four pints then as well in Paris. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, so I've done that, and then went back, and then uh, flew back over then um, from Cardiff. We had like a chartered flight from Cardiff. A load of Wales supporters went out to um, for the Portugal game, and but I ended up breaking my foot in the, in the day. Uh, <laughs> How? Uh, I mean. Started with a few too many beers, to be honest. Uh, As you do. The bacon, you know, the bacon heat, that excitement, yeah. and, you know, uh, Belgian beer. Yeah, oh, Christ. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, basically sort of walking towards the game, and, you know, you're all in the big huddle, and I went off a step then, which I didn't see, and sort of just crunched down on, on my foot, and, uh, yeah, basically broke it. But then I went to the game, I was in absolute agony, dragged myself up there like a slug, and then I got back. I had to go put in a wheelchair. Then back back to the back to the airport in a wheelchair. Got me on the plane and then flew home to Cardiff the same night. And I got home then, and I was uh, I got home about six o'clock in the morning. Then back in back in bed, and my foot, my leg was hanging out the bed. And my wife got up in the morning, and she's like, "Jesus Christ, what have we done?" I was like, "I don't know what." And she looked at my foot, and it was just purple and inflated. She took me down, uh, took me down to hospital, and um, and I was there. I was in I was in cast for. For two and a half months then, on the set, it was I just I just ravaged my foot and just made it even worse by being an idiot and going to the game and well that was not cabin pressure like, as well uh, on the plane that must have done something cabin pressure yeah wrecked it it was just it was just an hell of a mess but um, yeah I mean I, I think I would have been a, a bit more gutted if we had got to the final because then I would have had to miss that then yeah but, um, <laughs> we would have seen it on television yeah. definitely yeah, oh I saw a lot of television that's yeah, yeah. yeah. did you take full advantage of being stuck on the settee then did you sort of milk it a bit with the wife or? yeah a little bit I don't, know if, she had, don't know if she had that much sympathy for me mind um, but uh, yeah booze yeah. wounds booze wounds are like being uh, at war well that's it that's yeah it. yeah you know in France you know like the, yeah. like the old days yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah get, a, get a poppy for you now yeah <laughs> oh just a little uh, yeah some sort of wheat barley flour or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah wheat beer. Um, so, like, you're from Bridgend, um, uh, that part of lovely part of South Wales. Um, it's quite a, we say it's quite a big sort of strong music scene around the time where Funeral for a Friend were forming, and you were sort of starting to get into music yourself. Yeah, quite a few bands of you were sort of genre around that time as well, wasn't there? Like Hondo McLean and, and yeah. sort of. Well, that's where I think a lot of it come from because I, I, well, I grew up in Aberdeen, um, and then. You know, we put some bands together. I ended up, you know, putting like um, we had a local YMCA, and I put in uh, put in sort of ads in free ads, you know, for for other musicians. That's that's kind of how, how we did it at the time. That was and, like your rehearsal space, then, was it? Yeah, we had a little place at YMCA up the road from me, the Wine YMCA, and uh, you know, different people would pop over from different valleys, you know, so so from Kabak and then someone from Bedlinog and blah blah blah, you know, until we got to somewhere where we had, you know something resembling a tidy little band going and then and we just tried to play everywhere then you know we sort of reach out to bands you know oh who's, who's got a band in Merthyr we'll play Merthyr you know who's got a band in Bridgend um, and it was from the Bridgend thing really that uh, I think it all started going then because we started to meet uh, you know, a lot of bands from down there so like you say it was you know Honda McLean and uh, Bull of My Valentine with Jeff Kiljohn at the time um, and then what we started doing then is sort of branching out and TJ's in Newport, which is you know sadly no longer there, but uh, iconic TJ's in Newport. Yeah, really iconic. We we'd we'd probably rent that out about sort of you know one one weekend every month or every two months, and then all the bands then would come and come and play down there. We do a full all all day, uh, and um, and it just went from there really. And this and then it just it would turn into the people who just used to come to watch your shows 
the next one a month or two they'd have their own band then and be like oh can we play on it and go yeah 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 and, well doing know. something like that works on a number of levels doesn't it because it's it's practice it's a live show it's a live audience it's but it's networking and it's, it's spreading your sort of your net further and cast it and, and so sort of it's a, 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 a cyclical thing and isn't it, it sort of builds mm. on itself like and well that was it yeah i mean and and that was one of the things where we started building that then and um and i was saying earlier about um about johnny our promoter and when the first drummer in funeral, he started getting into the promoting side of it then. I started enjoying that and um, I started bringing more well-known bands to South Wales, you know, down in Bridgend Football Club and, and then, you know, to Bridgend Reckon, which is, you know, we had Fall Out Boy in Bridgend Reckon. It was like, is yeah, it's mental. Brilliant. Um, you know, bands like that and, you know, um, and then he started getting more into that and, and that became his his sort of career path then and he, and he still... He's still booking bands like that now, you know, Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco and My uh, Chemical Romance, you know, always and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it built up a lot from that just because everyone enjoyed doing it and it was, it was a good time. So that then, him sort of stepping aside or stepping into the sort of promotion side of things left a gap in Funeral for a Friend then, which you was lucky enough to sort of take over, was it? Yeah, that was it because I'd, I'd been in bands with one or two of the guys in Funeral before and... Um, and then when Johnny left, then they they had a they had a radio one session booked and said, oh, you know, can you fill in and do this? Which I did. That turned into, oh, can you fill in for this show? Can you fill in for this tour? And then I kind of just went from there, really. That's how that's how it all came together and happened as as a as it usually does, really with bands. It's a incestuous sort of thing. Well, it's 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 it is a big sort of cliche in life, isn't it? It's not what you know, it's who you know type thing. But then there's like just taking opportunities when they arise. But as feeling for friends sort of got more popularity and more success, did you ever think at some point, oh, someone's gonna tap me on the shoulder and I'll say, come on, you've had you've had your fun now. I said, no, you, you've got to come with us now. It's not not you know you get sort of found out a bit like or yeah. Well, that was it. It was we'd all well most of us had, had had been in bands for you know even though we were still really young at the time we, we we'd been in bands and that and we said all right this is going to be the one this is going to be the one you know telling our parents and that and um you know i remember saying saying to my parents when i was you know i was working at t-mobile at the time and i was like oh look it been offered this tour you know to go on around the uk I'm, I'm gonna sort of, I'm gonna pack my job in. They're like, "Oh, you're mental! Oh, you can't! You know, don't, don't be silly. That's ridiculous." That's the traditional side, though, isn't it? That's the parents, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, that was it. I was, I was like, "Look, you know, this, this is gonna be the one." It's like, "Oh, yeah, I thought your last band was the one, or the one before that." And I was like, "It's like, you know, obviously they just sort of worried about you." But it's like, honest now, I, I, I feel like this is, this is the one, and and it happened quite quickly from there. You know, we went went around the UK. We did did a couple of, uh, did a, recorded um, a little. EP session down in Swansea and a place called Mighty Atom. Another place is not there anymore, but um, that was a cool little studio down there. It was a good setup. Um, so yeah, I went down there, we did that, and then all of a sudden then there was all these people coming down from, from London or, or wherever else coming to watch us. remember coming to watch us in club. We had um, we had a label coming down there. And we you know, just thought it was, it was mental, really, and uh, it all went pretty quickly from there, to be honest. I think what you're saying is right in terms of, like, obviously, you, you know, from being right in the thick of it with like, sort of quick success and, and things moving quickly. Because, like, the first time I saw you at a film for friends was on MTV2. You know, I didn't I didn't get handed a cassette in school or anything, which is what you're doing in 15, or you yeah. pass CDs and tapes yeah. around. But first time I saw you was on MTV2, and I imagine that couldn't have been much more before you, much, much longer after you quit T Mobile, that sort of thing. No, no, I mean. Probably about a year, I reckon. Because, um, like I say, we'd all been doing it in different bands, so we were all sort of experienced individually. But as that band, it, it all clicked, and um, 
you know, for whatever reason, people were sort of, you know, gravitated towards him. Like, oh, you know, this is a band we want to work with, and um, and that happened all quite quite quickly from there. Um, but yeah, it was just non-stop then from from there on in really until 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 I left the band. But like quick yeah. success is is something I think everybody sort of secretly think, oh yeah, I'd love a bit of quick success, but it can backfire a bit as well. Would it had been in bands previously? Did it make you appreciate it going well in these sort of in this new incarnation? Then like, oh, massively. Up for it? Yeah, I mean massively. Like I say, I mean just even doing those, you know, those shows every month in um, in TJs or playing, you know, Merthyr Labour Club or whatever, or you know, playing Bridgend Football Club. Just having those gigs and and really. I suppose re- really having to work for it, you know, and really, really have to, um, you know, earn your stripes playing those type of gigs, because because it was never, it was always a thing where, I mean, certainly back then, where industry was all always in London, and we were down here, and and you know the bands that were being picked up down here were bands like you know Stereophonics and stuff like that, you know, you know, I love Phonics, you know, and it's, but it was bands like that that were being looked at, and and we just had our own different little thing going on, and. Uh, and to be honest, you know, I don't think any of us ever thought about being signed or whether that was sort of the end game or whatever. We were just having a laugh, really, and you know, enjoying doing it, and it was, and it was fun. And um, and just having that sense of not being, not trying too hard for someone else, I think was something that really worked in our favour because you know we had a lot of confidence when when you know people, you know these industry people were coming to watch us. They were like, you know. You're sort of playing like you haven't got a care in the world or whatever, and and you're not trying to sort of suck up to us, or do you know what I mean? It was yeah. it was never that because we had never put the band together for that. I think that's um, you know, was a very attractive thing for label people and whatnot. It's Brilliant. like as if you're focusing on the right areas, isn't it? You're focusing on the music and the performance rather than pandering to not the 900 people here, the one bloke over there in the corner with who sort of who probably hasn't even phone. listened to your music. You know, yeah. he's just there with a bloody business card going hey guys uh, yeah yeah ex- exactly and th- and that was it because we were we were playing for well i mean we were playing for each other really we were playing for, you know we we were all mates you know all these different bands in the south wales scene we were all mates and we were into what we were into which was you know very much a subculture of um of, of things you know we, we weren't listening to you know all the popular stuff really we were, we were listening to a lot of like you know American hardcore and emo and stuff like that and, and, and punk and, and that sort of thing so that was the sort of music we were writing that we knew that A we would enjoy and our mates coming to the shows was enjoy, would enjoy so it wasn't about oh you know I wonder what so and so at so and so company would enjoy it was never yeah. about that and I think um, I think you know that, that sort of comes off when I'm sure well you know a lot of these label people would just have people banging on their door and sort of turn up their offices with CDs and like, oh, please listen to me and you know, please sign me and and we were the exact opposite of that, which uh, you know I think worked in our favour. As I say, yeah, not everybody can be the Spice Girls, you know. That's fair. Well, no, it, we did know? try, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just all of you were scary. That's what that was. Well, that was it. We were all scary Spice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I've uh, I've learned something today that a, a specific sort of uh, vocalist that can can exist because I did a little bit of research on you. And, uh, you're a drummer and a screaming vocalist. Uh-huh. That's yeah. amazing. Sounds a bit wild, doesn't it? Yeah. Genuinely, you know, my ex girlfriend could have done that job. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, uh, explain to me what a screaming vocalist is. Um, Apart from the obvious, uh, someone who can't sing. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it was just uh, you know it was something. It's weird, you know, because I've I've sort of looked at it from you know the origins of it down the years, and if you know you even go back to stuff like. You know, Little Richard and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's that sort of really um, you know primal, um, 
I guess, you know, emotion, that sort of sound yeah. of something that goes with something that, well, I guess, you know, little Richard, when he was about, he was considered probably heavy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that sort of, um, yeah, just really, yeah, primal, earthly uh, emotion. and, and brilliant. I, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it really, but you, you, it, it started for me. The, the only reason I got given a mic in the first place is, is because I, I'd be playing the drums and I'd be sort of so into it and so caught up in everything and the energy of it and, and the sort of ferocity of it that, that I would just be shouting along at the mic and they'd be like, oh yeah, chuck, chuck a mic on you. Give it, so give it, it another it's layer. Literally. It a was. bit like, um, like Don Henley if he'd stubbed his toe. Yeah. Just at the start of the track. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, something like that. Yeah, or, no. or like any James Brown song. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be like at least 15 to 30 seconds of him there just screaming his head off. Well, that's it. Yeah, and I, th- and I think, you know, it, it all sort of comes from the same place, I think. Yeah, um, it has You know, it's, uh, it's different if you're sitting there with a with an acoustic guitar or something, it would just wouldn't wouldn't work. But in the context of something so sort of energetic and yeah. um, and visceral, it, it, it yeah, it kind of works. I know it, it it can be jarring at first. You're like, oh, what the hell's going on there? But um, is he right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wasn't. I think, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it, it's just yeah, it's just music at its most primal. I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting because obviously you know, the the drummer has you know he, he is. He, the beat, you know, you you on the structure of it. Like for example, my favourite Aerosmith song is "Dream On," and that was sung by the drummer, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't expecting a, a, a pop trivia quiz in as part yeah, yeah. of the interview. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the one question I've got. But then, yeah, I, I think uh, you know, I've always yeah. There's a, you get a lot of you know smart singing drummers down the years. It's great. It? I mean, to yeah. have that sort of coordination is beyond me. How you can still drum and still like function like verbally as well. It's crazy well, that was the weird me. thing. He was, he was, it was almost you know not thinking about it. Yeah, suppose, yeah. yeah. He was, he was very sort of, you know, just so caught up in it. Um, I'd never, yeah, never thought. I, th- I think if I actually did start to think about it, I'd probably end up going a bit skew if like and, yeah. and and messing it up. But if you start to think about, oh shit, you know, I got these many bars and this beat yeah. and this fill, I'd be like, oh Christ! But um, screaming, you're probably all right though, do it. Yeah, just sort of. Just sort of dive into it, really. Do you still do? You still do, well, obviously, you're, you're a dad and stuff now. Do do you utilise that skill of screaming in any sort oh, of yeah, way? Oh yeah, yeah, I can, I can shut them down quite quick. Yeah, <laughs> play, play yeah no, <laughs> no, yes. I mean, it's 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 still there. It's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's, um, I mean, I've been doing sort of little bits, messing around in in um, you know band stuff, just sort of. On the side, just for fun with mates, um, oh, you know, for the past few years. Because yeah, you know, even the, even when I decided back then in 2011, I didn't want to tour anymore. Um, you know, I didn't change the way, uh, change how much I loved music or mm. wanted to, you know, still be in music. And that's when I went. That's you know, that's why I went into music management because it's like, yeah, it's still a thing I love. I just don't want to be away as much. As I'd been away, you know, especially when you got kids, it's, uh, you know, it changes your sort of priorities and everything. Yeah, well, to add a bit of context to that, like, I, I, I sort of only, you know, sort of um, became aware of this through, through searching on uh, Wikipedia, right? And so, please excuse, excuse <laughs> that, but also, God bless Wikipedia. But you, you, you said you, you sort of decided, you got to a point where you've been in film for a friend for 10 years, mm-hmm. um, and then you took the decision to, I said, I'm done, I want to spend time with family. I found that really interesting because, like, creative industries and creative pursuits are quite selfish 
aren't they? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a very selfish pastime, and it is sort of you know tour schedules and, and being away from home and with with, with, with stand up comedy with any sort of aspect of that. So I found it quite refreshing. Like you just said, right, that's it. Now I'm done. I don't, I've been a rock star for ten years. I'm gonna sort of go home and see my family. You know, was it a, was it a tough tough decision to make? Or yeah, it was. I mean, there was. I mean, the, the the toughest parts were sort of doing it when I mean I had my daughter at that time, and I remember I'd you know I'd have these times where I'd be packing my suitcase, and I knew I'd be I'm three months away, you know, and I, and that was really hard, and and it is, it's a real wrench. I mean, I don't even I, I don't I could never do it now. I don't know how I ever did it. You know, sometimes now if I go away for the weekend somewhere, I'm like oh I'm gonna miss the kids. Um, whereas you know you just have to go away for three months, but um, you're providing there, weren't you? You're providing. Well, that was it. Yeah, that was always a thing. You know, you you sort of doing it for them, and um, and you're providing for them, like you say. But um, but then it got to the point I was like, right, you know, what what's the alternative for me? And you know, I'd been sort of looking into music management and thing for for a few years before I left, and you know, got something up and running. Uh, you know, working with local bands and helping them out. And I was like, you know, that's that. That would be ideal for me. I thought, you know, I can still keep doing what I love doing, um, but not have that that wrench of, of being away so much. And and that's what I've been doing since. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's you know it, it's been best of both worlds really, which which I'm really grateful for. Um, sort of, you said about music management and, and local scene, and obviously coming from a local scene originally. Like I hate cliches, I hate sort of uh, talking in that sort of terms. But do you see it's an opportunity to give back a little bit as well, and to sort of impart your knowledge and and, and, help, and br- help people learn from not learning from mistakes, but you know what I mean, sort of bring these younger bands on now. Yeah, well, there, there is some of that too, you know, learning from mistakes because. You know, I think you get a lot, a lot of your knowledge and experience from mistakes you make. I mean, you know, not just in in this, but but generally in life. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely a big thing, and and it was always the way when we were in the band as well. When, you know, when we were going, we would always um, we would always make a special effort to make sure that we were you know trying to help out the the Welsh bands back home. Uh, you know, taking them out on tours with us, have them opening for us, and or generally bigging them up or. Or introducing their, them and their music to, you know, record label execs or whatever. I say, oh, you need to check out this band from Dunwales, Wales. You need to check out that band, and and it's good we're able to do the same thing now with the, with these with these shows that we're doing um, in October. We've got you know some of our a lot of our mates bands out with us from from, from South Wales there, so so that's going to be good as well. But but yeah, it, that's very much that wanting to give back and and just being sort of proud of where we're from really which we always very much have been you know proud of where we're from and um and yeah giving back and and, and shining the light on all the talent that's that's in south wales and beyond yeah i think it's important it's important to do that do you think there's like a sort of strong scene for the particular type of type of uh, music that turn for a friend of famous for at the moment in wales like because it's it's described as like I always described it as emo, which you know mm. I, I'm sure some people would take offence to that possibly because <laughs> emo almost has got like a bit of a negative connotation now. But when I was 15, 16, starting yeah. to the film of a friend, fantastic haircuts. E- <laughs> oh yeah, they were boots. <laughs> it was it was emo <laughs> to me, but it's like post post punk hardcore, post hardcore is sort of the perhaps more highbrow term for it, isn't it? Yeah, it like uh, much different, isn't it? Post punk <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like you wouldn't want to fuck with them, but like no, emo, you think, oh, I'll give them a go, but yeah, yeah, yeah. post punk like hardcore, we stay away from that. Well, <laughs> Sesame Street, does he? I'll knock him out, no. <laughs> uh, well, this was, uh, it, was, it was because we, you know, we, we took from a lot of different, um, d- you know, different styles and different, um, you know, from the hardcore scene, from the punk, punk scene from that sort of American emo scene but you know f- f- as much as that from classic rock as well you know we yeah. 
I think a lot of us grew up on that, whether through our parents or whatever, and that was a big part of it as well. But, um, but as far as the scene today, I mean, it's, um, it's you know, it goes in cycles. We we had that very strong scene when we were coming through where we had, you know, kids in black, black uh, kids in glass houses and the blackout and, you know, and Skin Red still doing really Oh, the really super great. group, kids in black houses. Kids <laughs> in black houses, yeah, I nearly said that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, Skin Red have been going strong for a long time. I mean, you know, people... People sometimes forget. Play like feet. a Welsh festival favourite, and he's Skindred. You always see them on the top, top of a Sunday after the, the Sunday rocks. Is Skindred will be on top of the bill when he's on the festival. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the incredible uh, live festival band is no one better than them, really. But uh, coming around now, there's look, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of new bands coming through. You know, we got we, you know, lucky to have some of them playing with us on on the shows. You know, holding absence. So I work with those guys and um, those damn crows and raiders and uh, pay the man. You know, some some really really cool bands coming through uh, in in different sorts of genres as well. It's it's not just all all the hard stuff. There's you know you're seeing seeing people like Novo more doing really cool things. You know, worldwide now it's a much different sort of acoustic thing and and Junior then doing this sort of more poppy punk thing. But it's it's really it's a really good scene. It's really strong. You said about sort of. Um Learning from mistakes and passing on experiences and things. And like we speaking to a lot of different guests from all different sort of disciplines and aspects, but similar themes seem to reoccur. And like learning from experiences and that's that sort of thing is is one of the sort of reoccurring themes we've had with our guests. Are there any sort of um, sort of uh, horror stories or like bad gigs or things that have gone quite drastically wrong? As obviously you learned from it, it was a good experience ultimately. <laughs> but any sort of things that happened to you when you were first sort of coming along, or even when you were do, do, you know on top of your game, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Well, some you know, I always got to read the fine print. I suppose you know that's a good rule for life in general. But um, but yeah, you know, sometimes things are not quite as they sold to you. I remember there was a particular tour in America. It was like, oh, do you want to go on tour with um, with uh, with Linkin Park and Snoop Dogg? I was like, yeah, of course you do. That'd be, that sounds that sounds brilliant. But then we got there, it's like. Ah, right, so we're playing in the car park, are we? Right, oh, right, so <laughs> out, there for, out there for two months, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was it was still fun, you know. They, they were playing in the big am- amphitheatre, and we were like, right then, where, where are we going? It's like, yeah, you'll play in the car park before the, before the main thing Next opens. Next to the t-shirt salesman. It's like, yeah, yeah, this <laughs> state. I was like, oh, shit, right. Uh, but it was it was fun anyway, it was one of, one of our best, uh, best, uh, best summers of our lives, that one was. But... Um, but yeah, another thing then was was learning how to play with big bands. I mean, you know, we toured toured Europe with Iron Maiden, and um, yeah, I went to I went to the show on that tour when you were in the CIA. I think. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. At the time, I used to do a thing in uni where if I uh, nagged people for their email list outside the gig, I could go into the gig for free. So I sort ah. of would shamelessly do that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. You know, like you get to a level of success and, and you would do it to a certain point, but then there's still these people who are perceived as above you, like. Oh yeah, heroes. Was there any sort of acts like Iron Maiden? I'm sure, for example, they were. people you gigged with who think, "Oh my God, it's, it's them!" Like you know, I, I was out then. Very much so. Was yeah, very much so with them, and um, and that was the thing that I was. You know, you think you're getting big, and then you realise like, no, nah, you know, there's a, there's a, there's another level to this. You know, there's a godlike. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and it's just good to to see how those people handle themselves. You know, both on stage and off, really, with. Um, it's just nice to you say, oh well, you know they're sort of top of the tree, but they're you know great people and yeah. very helpful to us and everything. So so that was good. I mean that was a good lesson in sort of learning to be humble because I mean you know 
if Iron Maiden can be cool to their support bands, then you know what right have you not to? Yeah, do you know, yeah, look out. Yeah. It's like if it's good enough for them, yeah. And, and like you said, watching these sort of backstage rituals and how they conduct themselves, like I said, off the stage as well. Is there a lot to be learned then from something like Iron Maiden? Yeah, I mean, you know, for one, they were all sort of, you know, well, still now really, sort of in their sort of fifties, sixties, and you know, fit as fiddles, you know, r- running running across the stage like teenagers and that and you know belting it out and you know smashing out two and a half hour sets of, I mean yeah they, they, they just you know look after themselves and and, and so that's how they've ma- maintained such a such a lengthy career at the top really and just making good decisions and 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 sort of and always staying true to themselves really which is which I think is you know a good thing to learn they were always you know that type of band and still are who's like right this is what we do people don't like it tough shit you know? yeah yeah, um, yeah this is us we know we've got fans who love us not interested in you know reaching out to them fans over there or those fans over there or top we of got, pops or anything like yeah that. not bothered not bothered you know we've got our fan base yeah uh, didn't have to go lip sync on television did you that's it yeah yeah that's it i mean we did once mine but <laughs> <laughs> well, did it pay well um no what tell you what it was it was it was top of the pops but um we're on top of the pops but the, the singer at the sing, but all the music, all the music, and was sort of you know sort of miming on back and track. How was that? He's like ah, oh. but the singer at the sing, and it was you know it was live, like it's going out live right there and then. Um, so I was that was interesting. But did uh, you still give it full welly, or did you do the old Kurt Cobain sort of pretending to play as you were? No, I give it, I did give it full welly. Yeah, I tried I tried to try to give it as much as I could because I know the old girl was watching on telly, so I was like, oh, yeah, why not? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. See, mum, it, it did work out. I like. told. Well, well, that's the thing, and that's the sort of. Um, you know, once you say, you know, you can say, oh, I've done this, so I've done that. Oh, we've gone on this tour. Are you? All right, you. Oh, we signed to this label. Hi, tidy. I'll top the pops next week. Huh? <laughs> Straight away, it's like, oh, it's t- right. TV is this, uh, the stamp of approval, isn't yeah, it? Especially when it's, it. it's BBC as well. Yeah, where's, like, t- where's T-Mobile now? Huh? Well, this is it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> EE now. Yeah, yeah, bloody hell. But no, that, that top of the pops, was. W- w- I remember that being the moment. Like, like, oh, Christ. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um, so in, in line with that, then you know, we, we I think it's only fair if we all talk about worst gigs or horror stories or things that have gone wrong. Is it? Could you, I'm sure, it's going to be hard for you. But could you put your finger on like, one best gig or one sort of pinnacle moment for you as part of the band? I definitely think of the worst when I collapsed on stage. <laughs> Christ, uh, <laughs> in in America, and I'd I'd been drink, I I had been as yet undiagnosed with a intolerance slash allergy to sort of. Um, taurine or um you know caffeine because yeah. i'd never drunk yet coffee growing up for some reason and i never drink pop i always used to you don't drink coffee yeah no i never did growing up so my teeth are fucked i'm popper i mean i just used to drink like ribena and i was always uh, or, or water yeah. um so then all of a sudden then when sort of vodka red bull just started becoming oh, the thing yeah. i'd started drinking that. I, was, I was getting these work hangovers i was like i just drinking too much vodka i suppose but then I, I, I had one show and i had a few uh Red Bulls, but I had about three cans of Red Bull for playing, and uh, I went upstairs. I was like, "Oh, I'm feeling really funny, but this is this is a bit odd." And I just started slowing down, then, and I saw a bassist looking at us, going, "You know, you're right." I just started getting slower and slower, and then just dropped off my stool, Christ. And collapsed off it. The next thing, and I was being chucked on a stretcher then, and uh, and taken out. And this is in America, and I was like, "Oh Christ, how much how much I have to pay for this now?" Yeah. Luckily, we had insurance in it, but oh, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, straight off the hospital, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're allergic to caffeine and taurine, you must never ever drink it again. Christ. And I was like, oh Christ, I won't. 
Absolutely. So that was the worst. That tell, was the worst. You can tell your grandkids that you almost OD'd on bulls back. I know, yeah. I mean, imagine out of my grave. Little, little Red Bull logo. <laughs> yeah. They give, literally give you wings. and yeah, yeah, they did. So they did almost give me wings, yeah. Christ, that's you. definitely the worst. I don't know about the best. I mean, there's, uh, there's, been, yeah, there's, been, there's been some good ones. I mean, a lot of them have been... I think I think maybe the best one I remember was um, after that. Well, that tour I was saying about earlier, where we were sort of playing in the car park all summer, and we would, we'd been out there for three months, and um, and we were flying home to do uh, Red in the Leeds. We were headlining the second stage in Red in the Leeds in the tent. It was about like, two thousand four, two thousand five, perhaps. It was two thousand and four. Was yeah, yeah, two thousand and four. Um, so we were flying back for that, and we were all looking forward to you know sort of. See our families and you know girlfriends and parents and this that and the other because yes. we were literally we were flying out for three days. We we're doing red in Leeds and then flying back out to this this tour and back in the in the old car parks um, for another you know, three weeks. <laughs> really, yeah, Jesus. So yeah, we flew out for that and then we got there and then we're there and obviously it's like you know all our friends, family, brilliant. And then uh, just while we go on stage, there, you know, our manager came out. Um, it's like, boys, your your, your album's gone gold. Uh, was like Christ, they came out with all the gold albums, and it's like, oh, this would have been casually dressed and deep in conversation, Emily. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And it's like, oh, bloody hell. So it was like, you know, we'd been sort of, you know, slogging away all summer in the car park and then playing in front of, you know, not that many people, and we're like, oh, Christ, this is it, you know. And then we went on stage then and absolutely packed out full tent headline in our second stage, and, and I was like, you know, and I was probably just on such a high being home you know we'd we'd gone all last summer playing in this sort of you know dusty car parks with with, with just us there you know and uh, n- nobody that we knew and then we're there then we're playing this packed out stage headlining all our friends all our family on the side gold discs sitting there beside us and, I, and that was probably the you know that was the one i think those two shows red and leeds it's almost like sort of um a manifestation, like a reflection of hard work, then isn't it? It's like oh, I'm here, you know, and it's this visual is there for you, and it's, it's all the sort of sensory things going on, and the the gold disc is a little sort of uh, signifier in the corner as well. Well, so, that was it, really. And 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 the funny thing is, we we went back out then, you know, straight back to the US tour with a bit of a sort of you know spring in our step, and we were like, and it sort of reminded us to look, you know, we we we're back at the bottom out here. We got to work hard, you know. We you know, forget about where you are in the UK. Forget about you know your gold records. Yeah, you got to get back out here and work hard to get anywhere. And we did, and we went back. You know, a lot of times to the US, and and you know having quite a lot of success out there as well. So it was a real sort of catalyst to that as well. It's a very funny sort of classic Welsh thing that is. You know, you're doing well. And it's like, oh look, the album's gone gold. Look at that. Oh yeah, yeah, you've done really well. Now back to the car park. <laughs> 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 that was it, yeah. He's off back out there now, and uh, and we did, and we and we enjoyed the rest of it then. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it was it was it was fun, but it it was a good it was a good sort of um, you know shot in the arm. Uh, that no pun intended, obviously. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not literally. Not literally. <laughs> um, we forgot to ask you before we we went live with the mics, Ryan, and we do a little feature at the end of each uh, episode of the podcast, um, which is just aptly called Is Your Head Bigger Than Drew's? Um, I've got quite a large head, as you I can see. I think mine might be, you know. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I, think I got, you, got you beaten beer, Ryan, but um, if, if it's not a problem, Stefan, if you don't mind, is going to measure the circumference of your head. Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. F- I'm, so far, I'm undefeated. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about this, to be honest. I'm, uh... It's a very nice black hair. Oh, thank you. You, you, you are looking on the, the part of a rock star, Ryan, it must be said, the, uh, <laughs> your Guns N' Roses hoodie and your, your boots are you looking there. Oh. 
So it's a, it's a theme here. There's a lot of sixties. Sixty-three, mine is right. Oh, so I am, I am sorry, no. but um, oh. so I'm, I'm the platinum disc of heads, and you're the gold disc yeah. of heads. Yes, so I am. You yeah. boys have fun having a scream off. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I will be in the car now. Oh no, just my, how upset I am, and I'm not. Uh, I can have more weight in my head. Yeah, yeah. What can I do? What can I do about that? <laughs> so you've got um, Stefan now is another feature we do uh, he's got some uh, you take it away Steph it's you, uh, I got, I got a few, little tiny feature here well not that and then I've got a, a, que- a few a few silly questions for you after right so, yes, I, yeah. so uh, what I've been doing is I've been uh, writing anagrams of our guests names mm-hmm. so these, some of these are stupid some of these make no sense so they'll be all good with me so you having a good, a good fair few vowels in here uh, the, half of these sound like really weird porn star names uh, and the other half sounds like like a weird sort of Inspector Calls thing. So uh, I'm going to go with these now. So uh, anagrams of Ryan Richards, Chris Reynard. Right, that's yeah. like a porn star name, isn't it? Oh, Do- it sounds like a PR agent or something. It does. Oh, I am Chris Reynard, an estate agent. Or yeah, mm. yeah. Doctor Anarchy IRS. That's oh, your, I like that. That's your wrestling name, isn't it? Oh, that'd be me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And Carrie Reese. I don't know what that means. I, uh, I know who Reese is. Harris and Cry. That's, these are like almost band names for you, aren't it's they? It's like an eighties sort of new romantic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cr- crash your dinner. That's yes. kind of like rubbish. Uh, DC Harry Sarin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, HR Syrian card. Okay. <laughs> Cry Danish R. Oh. Doctor Inch Arrays. Uh, Karen Dry Rash. Okay, don't want that one. Yeah, Dry Hair Scran. And the first and final. Uh, your Darren Chairs. So I think, like, you know, that's all from your name. That's, uh, I tell you what, yeah. I, 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 I never knew impressive. I had such depth. Oh, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Depth, definitely. You've got good, you got good vowels. You've got good, yeah. good vowels to play with, haven't you? I've always, thought, I've always yeah. said that. Good vowels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well-pronounced vowels, as you yeah. Yeah. And then I've got two silly questions for you. So one would be, if you had a choice, right, these are like either ors. Right. So would you rather eat a bucket of shit in one go or have a teaspoon of shit with every meal for the rest of your life? Teaspoon, I reckon. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting. It's 50-50 split on that so far. And then the other one is, uh, would you rather have the head of the dog, like instead of your head now, would yeah. you rather have the head of a dog or the cock of a cat? <laughs> would I have the brain of the dog as well? Or? No, your brain. Just look oh, That's like, an interesting question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the head. Uh, I, I'd rather put a human's head in a dog's head. You've got, you know, you got the body, haven't you? I've had my kids, no, I'd just take the old cat cock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I've done my cro- by procreating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it, you can just like give it a stroke then, that's fine, can you? Uh, like, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm allergic to cats, so, so that could be a bit... Yeah. Yeah, that might end yeah. up... You don't want to be allergic to your Literally penis. pissing no, on your own chips uh, there, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> Slight uh, inconvenience, rest of your life, being allergic to yourself. So go for the, for the cock's cat. The cat's cock? <laughs> Or the cock's cat, you know, a male chicken who hasn't who happens to own a feline. I'd have to up the old claret indoors, but there we go. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I, I really enjoyed that. That was fun. Yeah, Ryan, this has been a pleasure, mate. I really, really appreciate your time. Um, just before you wrap up, the shows you mentioned, the fundraising shows for Big Stew, they are sold out, but um, you are doing some additional fundraising. Is it just giving page? You want to sort of... Yes, yeah. You can you can access everything through funeralforafriend.co.uk, all the, all the links and the stories and everything is on, on there so if anyone would uh, like to help out in any way we'd appreciate you looking at it and giving what you can 
Yeah, thank you, Brian. It's been fantastic. Good luck with the gigs coming up, and good luck with your your management and everything as we go going on. And try not to fall off any curbs in France. And I will try. Handball. Stay off the Red Bull. Yes. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thanks very much. Thank you. As the Tales from Wales podcast, uh, please feel free to share and subscribe. Find us on Facebook at uh, Tales from Wales podcast. Thank you very much to our guest Ryan Richards from Funeral for a Friend, who's doing some very, very important things for a very, very important cause. Uh, please feel free to find us online at Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Castbox, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, whatever you're doing, uh, thank you very much for listening and enjoy your day. Thank you. We keep the welcome in the hillsides. We keep the welcome in the fields. This land you knew.